housekeeping-wise, uh, this is one of just a few of these that we do a year. Uh, we've changed our uh, schedule to now we do four or five, four or five, I think, of these a year. So uh, please do, we appreciate you being here. Uh, please do reiterate that this is only done a couple of times a year, and it's an opportunity for us to reorient ourselves to an aspect of our vision. So we usually do take some aspect of our vision and really hit it hard in the time that we have together in addition to just a time of fellowship and eating together. Um, so those of you who are community group leaders, remind your groups that this goes on and, and when it is, and uh, we try to keep the lines of communication open as far as that's concerned. Um, tonight we're going to look at or talk about a little bit community groups. We figured uh, in years past we've thought about trying to do a gospel and community seminar where we took a weekend, uh, but we learned the hard way that uh, that's just it's too much given the other things that we try to do. Uh, and so we decided, well, let's just take the first vision dinner of the ministry year uh, to really hit once again uh, the idea of community and community groups and so forth. So uh, from Trinity, which is the church that planted us, uh, Tim Strawbridge, who if you say Tim, he probably won't respond, so you've got to call him Tim O, because uh, that's how most people know him, um, is, uh, is with us. And uh, Tim O's been at Trinity since it started uh, and has had a, a lot of different responsibilities over the years, I think, but has been intimately involved in uh, kind of the DNA of community and life together within the congregation and uh, the importance of that, and then everything that goes along with that. Uh, so he, he, he comes with a lot of experience, a lot of know-how, and uh, we just want to learn from him uh, and appreciate the things that, that he has to say to us. Um, so, Timo, welcome, and uh, appreciate you being here. We hope this microphone's high enough. So it's a, a great, great, uh, great honor to be here. Uh, I love you. I, um, uh, I love Jonathan Winfrey. Uh, I love Jamie. I'm, uh, if Jonathan asks me to help him, I will always help him. Uh, I want to uh, help him be great. Uh, I'm here uh, that I would simply say because of a mission statement um, that we have as a family. Uh, we I was with my pastor uh, at some point uh, 15 years ago or so, and somebody asked him for his mission statement, and it came out of his mouth. It was just so beautiful and eloquent, and it had glory of God in it and Jesus and conversions and all that. And I'm sitting there uh, like Gomer Pyle trying to figure out what in the world. Has they, they laughed, and I said, no wonder why you, it's easy for you to make decisions. I could know what to do, too, if I had a nice mission statement like that. So, uh, our little family mission statement is, and the reason why I'm here is uh, that we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves by doing as much good as we can for as many people as we can for as long as we can. And one of the great privileges of my life, when, whenever, it, whenever God reviews it with me, uh, has been the last four or five years driving over to Winter Haven. Uh, because I was invited to do a Bible study at Center State Bank. 
and the joy I get in praying for the nations as I drive to Winter Haven and what God does in terms of transformation in my own heart in that drive has been nothing short of miraculous. No, my wife would say it hadn't shown up, you know, in all the areas she's looking for it. But let's pray. Father, you're uh, just the greatest Uh, and every moment in your presence is uh, is indescribable wonder. So would you give us an opportunity here this evening to think about how we might um, gain the skill of putting words to that wonder. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, What you have in your hand is the inside of a journal called the CBR Journal. And it maps out kind of a way of thinking following an ACTS model. It's, uh, if you were like me and you grew up around the church, there was a lot of that, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. The unique way of this kind of training your thinking is the adoration has to do with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's just wonderment. It's wonder. It's awe, right? The next one has to do with confession. It's just a realization of who you are. It's not just a realization of your rebellious passion to rebel against the God who is wonder-filled and fills the world with wonder, but it's also a realization, it's a confession of the realization of your own humanity, right? God can see and know everything. I can only know a few things. God can see everywhere at all times present. I have to look through two pupils. Right? The next box has to do with thanksgiving, specifically thinking towards this person of Jesus. This Jesus, the wonder son. Right? And there's a meal in that one. Then the fourth one is supplication. It's not supplication, uh, would you please pass out the bulletins. It's supplication, Holy Spirit, will you change me into someone different? Will you do the work in my soul that needs to be done? So the way I would help you think about it is, the first one's look up. Right? Look up. Look up into the heavens. Look up into the glories. Look up into the wonder of who God is. Look up into heaven and get a feel for what's happening up there. What verse might go with that is, now I had one guy say, you know now, Somebody named Crab, who's a therapist, said, what you want to do is look around, and then by looking around, then you look up. And I said, I'm sure that Crab guy, I'm sure he's got some good thinking. But I'm going to go with this guy named Jesus who said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Right? I'm going to go with this Jesus guy who summed up everything by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then love your neighbor. Right? So have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Right? You've been to the Grand Canyon? Jeej, what's it like to go to the Grand Canyon? What do you feel when you get there? No, no, but I mean, when you get there, what do you feel like when you get there? What are your first two thoughts when you get to the Grand Canyon? Right? That's what happens. You see how she did? She actually lied. I got Gigi Savant to lie. 
I don't care how many times Drew goes to the Grand Canyon and tells you what it's like. You ain't been there. The Grand Canyon is for everyone. It's for everyone, right? If you've been to the Grand Canyon, what's your first thought when you look into that big, great big huge hole? God, right? Box number one, right? What's your second thought? How small I am. So the first one is to look up at the bigness of God in the Grand Canyon. Every single moment of your life, every single moment of your life is full of wonderment. Not one moment of your life has more wonderment than any other moment. Not one. Every moment is full. It says in Psalm 113, from the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of God is to be praised. Right? At 2 o'clock, wonderment. 2.30, wonderment. Right? Win a game, wonderment. Lose a game, wonderment. Stand there with the trash cans as you see the trash guy driving away on a Tuesday morning. Feeling Gigi's urge to lie when I get back inside. Right? What do I do? Box number four. God, change me. Right? You got stuff done on Tuesday that I can't get done. I can't get the trash out. Right? Box number four. Change me. But you haven't gotten to Christendom in box number one or box number two. Right? <clears throat> the reason why I'm so radically changed by the love of God for me and Jesus is because Christianity didn't work as I understood it for me. It just didn't work. Every day, was, uh, every day other than Sunday was work day for the Strawbridge boys. Because dad believed in two things. The worst thing you could do to one of those kids, a Strawbridge boy, was give him time and money. So he tried to wear you out as much as he could and then not pay you for what you did. <laughs> Imagine my thought of that same, same Grand Canyon experience if it's on a Saturday and we're in my dad's work truck and there's a wheelbarrow in the back and he tells me to get it out and wheel it and follow him and I have a wheelbarrow and a shovel in the wheelbarrow and we come up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and look in. What happens to my processing? Anybody? I think he might give me that as a chore. <laughs> Is there any wonder? Do I think about God? I'm so overwhelmed at my inadequacy, I don't know what to do. Right? That's how immature I have been regarding the love of God in Jesus. Rather than just looking at God's infinite love and first thinking, like this lady said, how great God is. Right? And then thinking how small I am and how inadequate my, my love is and how it lacks energy and purpose. Right? The first thing I did was it was as if I had a wheelbarrow when I heard about the love of God in Jesus. And the first thing I did is process it through my little frame. And I began to diminish God's requirement of love. 
And I began to diminish God's infinite love. And I began to diminish the wonder of love. So you look up. The wonder and the bigness of God. And you look down. And you just enjoy the humility that comes from the presence, knowledge of your own weakness. Right? Mine is, I always think of myself as a doofus. I'm just, I'm on the verge of a doofus thought or practice at any moment. Right? But then the third one. Right? And, it, and every box has a person in it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the first box. Right? Set your mind. Right? Colossians 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When God who is... Right? Set your mind on the things above. That's box number one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Box number two. Me. Right? Box number three. Jesus. In box number three, you get to cup your hands and you get to put them into the side as the blood comes out of the body of our great Savior and you get to drink his blood. And it not only cleanses you from all of your sins, it cleanses any person that will ever sin against you of that sin that they have done against me. He will never bring it up. I can forgive everyone of every sin they've ever done against me. Because I've drank the rich blood of Jesus for me. And then I get to eat his flesh. I get my soul energized, not by my bank account, not by my friendship, not by my wisdom, by the body of God died for me, cooked for me in that Israel's son. And I eat it. And then I'm motivated with an eternal motivation that changes everything. Still can't get the trash out there quite, quite yet, but that's the next box. The next box is the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Do you, do you know of anybody that has a quality that you really like that you don't have? That's that box. That's that box. That's where you look to the God who is Holy Spirit and you say, come to me. Change me work in the area of my soul appetites right so I've looked up I've looked down humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God I've looked at Jesus and guess who God is looking at he's looking at Jesus if he looks at him and is satisfied then I look to Holy Spirit so it's four looks, and then the fifth one is, I look out. I look up, I look down, and I look in. I don't look in to see corruption, right? I look in to see the application of Christ for me. I look in to see the transformation of Christ. Never quite as fast as I think it should be. Almost unintelligible from out there. Right? And then I look out. 
So, a little quiz. How did God love you with all his strength today? He only requireth that which he already has done. How did God love you with all his strength today? <clears throat> anyone? Anyone? Can you imagine the pulley system that he's got in heaven that pulls the sun across the sky? How great is that? The ropes burn every day. Right? How did he love you in his strength today? Great, great. But how do you love you personally with his strength? With his strength. What's he doing today? Anybody hit that pothole coming around where the construction is where there's no gravity? <laughs> there's a hole over there and there's just no gravity. No gravity! Right? How about his production of oxygen today? How do you do on that? Did you ever look over and say, oh my gosh, look at David Savant. He's taking it all in. He went for a long walk today. He's breathing in so much air, I, don't, I won't get all mine. That's a sign of the infinite love of God. You never thought there wasn't going to be enough air for you. That's because God is infinitely producing oxygen for you all the time. <clears throat> so I, I, about four years ago, started Bible studies and businesses. And our friend Steve Young invited me to come try it. I'm trying to get over to Haines City. That is the next place. Uh, and what I have begun to do is just ask people, not whether you read the Bible today, but do you, do you know how you're experiencing God every day? It's not just his revelation through his word in the beginning God. That's not the only way that you experience the revelation of God. You are responding to God in the journal because he spoke to you. But you're also responding to God in your thinking because you lived in his world. He loved you with his creation today. He showed himself to you in his creation today. He showed me himself in his, in his providence today, right? I needed five grand for a project that I was working on today that I need to raise money for. Go to Starbucks. There's my man standing in line. God's providence. Got me five grand on the, in the line at Starbucks. God revealed his control of all his creatures and all their actions, right? What about the skippers? You ain't got control of those creatures, I can tell you. Those three they got. His sermons are just going to get better and better and better. The worse those boys get. Right? Because she is going to beg God to come down. Right? That's how he works. And did you hear what you were doing? You were laughing. Laughing is grace. Grace laughs. Grace, grace howls. Right? My dad would say, if you're not laughing at yourself, you're missing most of the good jokes. <laughs> right? How did you experience God's heart today? Right? How did you experience God's heart today? 
I walked by a beautiful, uh, whatever those things are called, laundry basket full of my clothes folded. God said that when he said bring dominion to the earth, that was our obedience to it right there. And I got to take a picture of it. And I got to tell my wife, man, we're funny looking. We sure are fat. Right? But what a team. What a great lady you are. Thank you so much for doing that. That did not add any more wonderment into the beauty of what she did. Because any time ever that my mother ever did my laundry and folded it, it was full of the wonder of the smile of God on her. Every time. I didn't thank her until I was 18. But that was how stupid I was, how slow I was to discover the wonder of my mother's love for me. How did you experience God's soul today? He loved you with his soul today. Do you let them talk in here? Are they allowed to? with somebody and you just you just realized ah, right ah. right how does God love me in his creation I drive to meet a discipler that uh, works at McDill, McDill Air Force Base and so I dri drive to Tampa every Thursday morning to meet him there's many warehouses that are being built right and I realize that there are 14 many warehouses being built and they have air conditioning Right, And I have some friends that 13 of the many warehouses are full of good thoughts. And then I got that one in the center. He's just full of yuck. Where my mind churns on what's bad about them. And then the air conditioning comes on and it pollutes the whole many warehouse of my soul. Right? That's just brokenness. That's just where I confess. Oh, God. Right? Let's throw open the door. Let's go in there and get that out. Let help me to see them for the fullness of the beauty of the wonder of it, that it is my privilege to be their friend in this thing. To love somebody with all their soul. It's not that they don't know how to do it because they don't know how to read the Bible. It's they don't know wonderment. Did you get that? Right? Mr. Bennett is a stunning human being. Right? It is a privilege and an awesome experience to have gotten to have lunch with the three boys and live through it. Right? So that's what we're trying to do with that, with that journal thinking is redirect people's thinking to the wonder of who God is. So let's just review that. How did you, how did you experience the wonder of God today? Yes, ma'am.
right? What's your son's name? Who? Christian, right? Can you imagine the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when they invent tea? Right? Wait till Christian sees this. Right? And then they put it in bags and how long it took them to process that to get them in bags so they could get it into the store and then get you to buy it. And how much fun they saw. And you know what you can say to them? Right? When you get to heaven, Christian, you gave a cup of herbal tea to me. He tracks every cup of water. Right? That's why we get in community groups. Right? We have a little problem in the system. I was trying to challenge, I try to challenge the pastors that pastor us and love us so much and care for us so much and they want to get paid and they want to fund what they do and people normally do the funding from what happens on Sunday morning so they put more time in Sunday morning and they send you all out with kind of TV trays. Remember those TV trays, those foil things they made so, so we could really become addicted to television and we didn't have to have family time anymore? Right, they had foil on them, they tasted terrible, right? And as you might notice, I noticed the portions weren't very big. <laughs> <clears throat> the reason why we need to get in small groups is because what Drew does on Sunday morning is really he just goes to Publix and he's handing out groceries. just handing out the groceries, right? And then the congregants, the people who hear it, they gather, they take some of the groceries and they gather in groups all over town and they get together and cook. And they cook the groceries and they have a meal. And the meal they have is this wonder of God, this confession of weakness and brokenness, this eating and drinking the blood of Jesus, right? This cry out to Holy Spirit to make me different. Right? And we're doing it with the ingredients that we were given. Now the problem is, if you all feel the pressure we feel on Sunday morning, is we try to cook it, make it, pass it out, put it in Tupperware, have you freeze it. Right? And then you end up atrophied. Right? But community groups should be the place where the children of God gather to enjoy the meal, right, that they all heard about, but it wasn't made on Sunday. Right? It was made. And then you have family worship around that discussion. Right? And then you have individual private practices around that same rhythm of discussion. Right? And then pretty soon, pretty soon, you're going to step across the threshold and become a human being. It's going to take some years. But you're going to realize then your dad's wild about you. Your father in heaven is wild about you. And then you, feeling how wild he is about you through those disciplines, are then going to go and be wild about others. So what you do is you are connecting with God 
through the experience of corporate worship together, breaking up into these little groups, you're connecting with God. But when you gather in the small groups, you're connecting with your neighbor, helping your neighbor connect with God. How's that sound? Right? So we only have at Trinity, and all churches do things different, and it's marvelous, and all of them are great and better than us. Um, but what we do is we think of our church as a church on top of a hill. <clears throat> we want it to be hard work to get there. And when we're there, we want you to be, feel the pull of gravity pulling you down into the city. So, we're, so, so you are only there as little time as you can. Right, So you can take what you have at the grocery store been given and take it everywhere you go and pass it out. So we only have three rocks. Our big rock, our big community rock is worship on Sunday morning. Our medium-sized rocks are community groups where we gather around the city. Then our medium-sized rocks is those community groups where we can pair up with other Christians in the workplace is we have Bible studies talking through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication all over the city. And then we do our evangelism through inviting people to read the CBR journal because everyone in Lakeland, at least, and some of the folks I've met over here in Winter Haven, they married Jesus, they never dated him. They married him. Literally, we scared the hell out of them. But now they don't like him. They don't know him. Right? So by inviting them to read the word of God and do adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication towards people, right? Not toward a doctrine, toward a person. Right? Then we're going to change how we understand who we are. We're going to change everything about who you are to me. Big rock, right? Corporate worship. Now, we have First Baptist at the mall, right? That's a, that's a church, wonderful church, great church. Just spend time thinking all happy thoughts about that church. Then, but it's, at the, it's, a, it's by the drain at the bottom of the river on the way out of town. Right? They got a gymnasium, right? They got a pool hall. I bet they have a bar somewhere in there. <laughs> they, their hope is to get people separated, and that's a marvelous thing so you can help them rethink who they are and then send them out. It's a marvelous, beautiful strategy that's completely different than what we're doing. And we are excited they're here. When, but when you're at work, the pull is to end up down there. The pull is to leave and go be there. Our pull is to be in Little League, be at the homeless shelter, be, right, at Mother's Morning Out. All right? Community groups are where we gather, right, so that we can rehearse 7.125 billion people in the world. If every one of them came to Christ, every one of them would have a story that would help Mr. Bennett know more about Jesus than he would ever know on his own.
7.125 billion people, every one of them would have a story that was unique to them that would make your heart sing regarding wonderment. Uh, this is the best I can give you outside of Scripture. Uh, that is uh, kind of a goal. I wish that I could understand the moving marvel of my hand. I watch my fingers turn and twist the supple bending of the wrist, the dainty touch of the fingertip, the steel intensity of the grip, with a tool of exquisite design. With pride I say, it's mine, it's mine. Then there's the wonder of my eyes where hills... And houses, seas, and skies in waves of light converge and pass and print themselves as on a glass. Line, form, and color live in me. I am the beauty that I see. Uh, I could write a book of size about the wonder of my eyes. What of the wonder of my heart who plays so faithfully its part? I hear it running sound and sweet. It doesn't seem to miss a beat between the cradle and the grave. Never falters, staunch and brave. Alas, I wish I had the art to tell the wonder of my heart. But then, how could I explain the wondrous wonder of my brain, the marvelous machine that brings all consciousness to wondering? It lets me from myself leap out and watch my body walk about. It's hopeless. All my words are vain to tell the wonder of my brain. But do not think, O oh, patient friends who reads these stanzas to the end that I myself would glorify. You're just as wonderful as I. And all creation in our view is not as quite as marvelous as you. Come let us on a seashore stand and wonder at a blade of a grain of sand and then into a meadow pass and marvel at a blade of grass or cast our vision high and far and thrill with wonder at a star. A host of stars, night's holy tent, huge glitterings with wonderment. If wonder is in great and small, then what of him who made them all? In house, in hill, in sword, in sea, in bird, in beast, in flower, in tree, in everything from sun to sod, the wonder and the awe of God. Right? Written by a non-Christian. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth pours forth its speech. I'm challenged every day by this marvelous unconverted soul who had eyes to see the wondrous beauty of God in himself and in everybody else. Uh, my mom died uh, in the last um, couple months, and I thought about her a lot, and, uh, and I loved her. I, lo I love her. I love, uh, she was the greatest practical theologian I had ever met. 
a counselor asked me the other day uh, who I challenged in some of his thinking because I, I uh, was concerned about the way he was talking. And he said, he called me back and he said, you know, I, I, I know you only finished high school. He knew that because he had been in my office and I have my diploma on the wall. <clears throat> I want to give people a little head start. And he said, how did you catch me? in that bad thinking. And I said, well, I always think about two people when I listen to a counselor. My mother, did I ever hear my mother say what this guy said? Because my mother had experienced great tribulation and trials in her life. And it had burned out selfishness. And the other person is, I'm the grandson of an Illinois farmer. And if he never said it, and she never said it, it just wasn't true. trick of my mother's brilliance was once once she didn't matter you always did Marissa that's your only chance those little boys are going to burn that out of you once my mother realized that she didn't matter, every person she met did. She got it from John the Baptist. Right? I must decrease, so he must increase. The great change in my mother's life came not when she was driving the forklift and hauling out of the wealth the, the uh, warehouse of her heart, the bad things she did, was when she went on the other side and she saw the good things she had done and she got the forklift and she started driving them out too. Because once she found out when she got the good things she did out and the bad things she did out, Jesus just filled up the whole place. And the interesting thing about the fullness of Jesus is the fullness of Jesus leaves it empty for everyone else. One bit of you, and there's no room for others. The others will only be used as a way to prosper you. The fullness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit leaves everyone else more important than you. So I'll end with a story. Um, I think the reason why, uh, I know the reason, uh, that God has called me to a denomination that um, that believes that people are converted by the preached word um, is because the way I saw conversions growing up was people became related to people who were being transformed 
And then they, were, then they just ask about the transformation. Once the battle is enjoined, the outcome is in the hands of the junior officers. To a large degree, I do not care what our elders do. Any of them. Because the outcome is in the hands of the junior officers. And when the battle is engaged, it is when those junior officers leave this building. The gathering of this building is for you. The gathering in this building is for you, for them. And the way you go out to be in with them is he just wants you to lamb it. I send you out as lambs among wolves. What we do in Presbyterian circles is we get a nice lamb who's seen some wolves converted and we send them to seminary where they become a wolf. <laughs> if you are having trouble reading the God's word, it is because you are not lambing it in front of wolves. Lambs read God's word. If you are having trouble praying, it is because you are not in the midst of wolves as a lamb. Lambs pray. If you do not have good fellowship, it is because you are a wolf around lambs. Because lambs have sweet fellowship. If you are not trying to talk wolves, right, into becoming lambs, it is because you are a wolf in the presence of wolves, not a lamb. If you are not seeing your soul being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to become steadfast and faithful in the presence of wolves, it's because you're a wolf yourself. If you are not living by the promises of God, right? A promise from God is God obligating himself. Right? Sam, can I borrow a car? Yes. That's Sam obligating himself to a promise. I ask him, God's, he is the most obligated being in all of the universe. And he has obligated himself to his lambs. Why does he send us out as lambs? Because that's how he wants to be represented. He's not loud. He's not big. He's not a bully. Right? Why does he send us out as lambs? Because who is he? The lamb. What did he say about this system of lambing it? You know what he said in Luke chapter 10? Right? Such was your good pleasure. Right? This is Jesus' explanation of predestination. Right? Ready? Hey, nobody knows who I am unless you tell them. Nobody knows who you are unless I tell them. What a great idea. Right? You certainly won't, don't want Drew picking. Right? You don't want me picking. You want a Dave picking. 
right? And whose party is it in heaven? Let me just give you a hint. Theirs. Right? It's not my job to pick. Right? It's my job to go lamb. And this is what he said about that. For such was your perfect will. Jesus loved that lamb stuff. I was 17 years old, walking across the yard. My father, who was not a very good job for the first couple, not not a very good dad for the first couple, because I asked him, what's the key to being a good dad? He said, volume. (laughs) And he was looking at my two brothers when he said it. Right? He said, you have no idea what you're doing on the first three. But after that, you can kind of catch a rhythm. Right? 17 years old, I, I think I'm all that. I'm fairly certain I'm all that. <clears throat> and uh, I'm walking across a yard and I'm complaining about something. And I have complained one sentence too many. And my dad needed to speak into my conscience. And he stopped me, held onto my arms, looked me in the eye, and he said, Timo, don't ever sin against God by not loving being you. And don't ever sin against God by not loving the chores he's given you. The chore he has given us, right, together in different parts of the county, right, is to figure out how to go out as lambs, right? And invite wolves, right? To at least pray before they eat us. <laughs> Community groups are an opportunity for you to gather to adore God. It's an opportunity for you to gather and tell people what a doofus you are. Right? It's an opportunity for you to gather and drink the blood of Jesus. Bathe in it. Wash it on your skin. Get it all over you. Right? The angst you have against somebody who has wronged you is simply this. You're bloodthirsty. You want their blood. Go drink his. Right? You won't want theirs. That's how it works. Right? That's why it says when you're at the altar worshiping, And there, remember, when you're there drinking the blood of Jesus, when you're there eating the flesh of Jesus, oh, I remember, right? I'm holding a grudge against this person, right? Go. All right? Remember, if they're over 60, they don't listen. And all they can do is see the wrong that you do and tell you what you're doing wrong. The reason why they tell you what you're doing wrong is because you're doing wrong. (laughs) Right? They have wisdom. Listen to them. Right? If they're under 30, right, they can't imagine you have one relevant thought. (laughs) But they're broke and in debt. And they hate their kids. Right? Hire somebody to be with their kids, take them to dinner, do that twice, 
They'll write down what you say, and while they're writing, it will turn into red ink because God will no longer be speaking. You will no longer be speaking. He will be caring for them through you. Right? Community. Uh, we want to do a Q&A. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and your care for us. Uh, and thank you for uh, people that want to be... Oh, sorry. Thank you for people that want to be together. Um, thank you for the way uh, Sunday morning works. Oh, my gosh. Uh, kids aren't throwing pizza on each other, right? People aren't just talking. You know, you, it's a time to come in and the skill people get the microphone. Oh, how nice that is. And the singing is on key and there's music and it's all the body coming together. And thank you for that it starts on time and ends relatively on time. But thank you also for community groups that are just a mess. They don't start on time. They don't end on time. The weird people get the microphone. Uh, there's no answer to their problems. They don't even want an answer. Um, you end up praying about things you don't care about. It's just all kind. You end up having to listen to things that people don't really want to talk to you about. And it's just the whole mess of that is perfect. It's just perfect for us because it just flushes out how weird we are. Right? And then thank you for those individual times that we get to meet with you. And we don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to hear what you say. But we know that you are gaining the greatest pleasure from watching us do something that we would never, ever do except that your son lived, died, and was raised. And we honor you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as, as we like to say, Timo is an acquired taste and uh, so there, there may have been things, multiple things, or maybe the entire thing that you're kind of, what? That's not really, like, you know. Um, and some of that is, that's true, that's true. Yes, that's true, that's true. Uh-huh, right, right, right. Yeah, because uh, we, we we're here to <laughs> try to explain it. Um, which uh, is easier said than done. But I, I do think what you're experiencing with him is a person who, he, he's not being cheesy. Um, he, really, it, he really does wonder at God um, in a way that a child does. Um, and, and so that's something that I have been learning from him and appreciate very, very much. But <clears throat> as he said, he, he uh, did his best work at Medella elementary, actually, not even Lakeland High School. Yeah. So he graduated from high school. He, he's not seminary trained. He's not a pastor in our denomination. He's not anybody, really. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. And, and I have a point here. Yes. Right. And I have a point here, and the point is this, that in community, uh, we, we, as he said, the weird people get the microphone. We really do, and we long for, in our community groups and in our fellowship as a congregation and life together, whether it's in uh, the large group setting of Sunday morning, but more so in community groups and discipleship groups and small groups, where we all are going to these gatherings believing 
that everybody else who's coming to the gathering has something to teach us about Jesus that we otherwise wouldn't know unless we came to the gathering. And churches don't believe that. Churches believe that the person who stands up there has everything to teach them about Jesus, and the only place they can come and learn it is here or in a group or in a classroom or in a gathering where the person at the front who knows everything about Jesus is going to teach them everything they don't know about Jesus, which is why they came. And we long for something different. And he, I think what uh, a lot of what Timo is getting at is that there is something about this, as he says, the doofusness of just being comfortable enough in your own skin to say, you know, I don't understand. Yeah, what you're saying makes no sense to me. Or, yeah, I need prayer for this. And everybody else in the group is kind of like, that's kind of a silly thing. I mean, honestly. Well, no, it's not silly to them, you know. But it's, it's cultivating that in our culture and in our DNA as a church. It's what we really do long for. And I think it's the difference between uh, a... Uh, even as Drew was talking Sunday, an aircraft carrier or a city on a hill that's really equipping people to go out and, and do that and be in the be in the community together to testify to that. I don't want to really. Um, <clears throat> all right, so there's an imaginary wall, and those two guys aren't here. There's only one place that Americans have allowed themselves and the church has allowed Americans to believe if you're there, you go to heaven, and it's somewhere in the sound of Drew's voice on Sunday. How mess, how, just filling a cuss word, how bad is that? I mean, that's ridiculous. Right? That's like saying I, I walked through my garage, now I'm a car. Right? But why do we do that? What, what's the danger of that? I love going to corporate worship. I love singing in corporate worship. Right? But the job is not for me to go get them and bring them to him. That's not, there's no fun in that. And what you end up doing is saying, I'm disqualified because he's so brilliant. Right? What your friend need, it ain't brilliant. Right? They need you. They need you to be with them. We have messed up all the thinking by saying, you go bring them to me and I'll save them. And we bought into it. And so we're atrophied. We don't have the faith of, of lambing it in the midst of wolves. Where is the only place in America, right, where it's appropriate to talk about Jesus? The only place is right there. And if he doesn't say it, he gets fired. How weird is that? A 13-year-old girl goes on campus. She gets kicked out of school if she does it. And he's modeling for us what we're supposed to do. That's ridiculous. How about the way they've shut down your imagination? You read a passage and all you can hear was what your pastor preached on that passage. And you can't think that there is an infinite, infinite wonder of thoughts that come out of that passage. And what he got was his own meditation, and it was beautiful, and it was just what the people needed for that week. But the next time you read it, God's got something different for you in the same passage. Right? It's your imagination that has died. 
right? You become atrophied in your thinking. HDTV is killing you, right? It's wonderful what they do, but what they do can be atrophied. Atrophy, it, can, it can ruin us because then we're not excited about going out to, right? When I open the word of God, here's what I say. Every time I open the word of God, right, a man, a real man, loves God's word. My dad would say that title to us, boys, a man, a real man, and then he'd fill in the blank. So I used my dad as a gift to me to sober me about the reality of, his, of God's word. A man, a real man, loves the God whose words they are. A man, a real man, holds himself 100% responsible to obey every word in it. A man, a real man, obeys God's word whether anyone else does or not. A man, a real man, knows that the eternal destination of the souls under his care demand that he obey his heavenly father. Good things happen, right? A man, a real man, doesn't say, I sure hope my pastor can come out and help me share my faith at work. Right? My pastor is here to equip me to go be a man where God has called me to be a man. Right? <clears throat> For you women, the great advantage you have over us in lambing it is how he made you. Right? How did he make you? Peter said. Peter looks at his wife while he's watching 1 Peter, while he's writing 1 Peter, and he says, A woman. Wow. Look at her. And he thinks about his own self and he says, I was impulsive. Right? I jumped at everything. I was loud. I didn't know what to say, so I said things. But look at her. He says, she dresses. And the way she dresses when she walks in the room, no head turns. She dresses so that hearts turn. You know who he's thinking about? Jesus. Jesus turned hearts. And then he says this great compliment. And you're the weaker vessel. Right? You know that verse? You guys know that? Peter said that? Right? Just a little quiz. Of the Godhead, which one became the weaker vessel so that you might be saved? which was the only member of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <clears throat> that became a lamb, that became weaker. Who is he thinking about as he looks at his wife or his mother or my mother? There is Jesus. Right? And we're so dumb we fight about it and argue that it's not true. Right? How stupid. So what do you really think? Um, no, I, I do hope this has been helpful uh, in many ways, maybe in some ways not. Um, but the great news is we get to go from here and figure it out. What? I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, I learned from you um, how to do things like that. But, uh, but no, we do appreciate you all being here. And we do hope uh, that what he just said a minute ago, we're here to equip you uh, 
I've heard that before. <laughs> we, 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 we say those kinds of things a lot, and yet, and yet there's still something uh, in the culture that we, we just don't believe it. Uh, and so oftentimes we're struggling to kind of make that real uh, here. So pray for us in that. Uh, we will pray for uh, you. Uh, I do, all the community group leaders in the room, uh, thank you. Uh, we're very, very grateful for the work that you're doing. Uh, and we're grateful that God continues to raise up new leaders uh, who are starting new groups. Uh, it's exciting um, because we want everybody to have the opportunity and the experience uh, to get what we want everyone to get from that ministry, which is life, relationships, life, uh, truth, and all those things. So, uh, Father, thank you for these, uh, your people who are here. Uh, thanks for Timo, uh, for the childlike faith that he so just, it, it just rolls off him constantly when he talks about you, when he talks about your word, uh, when he talks about your people. Uh, and so we pray, we thank you for, uh, the, the leaders of Trinity who so many years ago said, we want to plant churches. Uh, we want to be friends love one another well, and invite other people into that. And so thank you for the ways in which you've equipped us and burdened us to kind of replicate that over here. Uh, and we pray you continue to bless it. We pray for our community groups. Pray for the, 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 the future community groups that have yet to form. Uh, for those uh, in place at Redeemer Southwest and those in place at Berea, uh, thank you for those who've stepped up. Uh, but but thank you for, for this, this work that goes on uh, week in and week out, month in and month out, and help us to continue uh, to love one another, to come alongside and live side by side with one another, uh, to bear one another's burdens, and to ultimately uh, love one another in such a way that we bear witness to the gospel in our city, in our community, in our workplaces, and uh, in our county, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. That's our prayer. May you be glorified through us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.